and welcome to the Enchantress Society with Tia Johnson, a place where you get to be you, where you get to unlock your magic in a sacred and judgment-free zone. The Enchantress Society is your witchy sisterhood of enchanting women who guides and supports you along your spiritual journey from the mundane to the magical. I invite you to sit for a spell as I interview guests and spill the spiritual tea on how we can create the magical life we deserve. Hello, Enchantress, and welcome back to another episode. I hope everything is going well with you today. I am just in awe that we are already in the season of spring. I can feel the the sense of newness, change, growth, but this is also a time of slowing down, taking it all in receiving, and of course, surrendering. And those were the things that I learned and were reminded of while reading The Magic of Surrender. The Magic of Surrender is a book I didn't know I needed. And when an author is genuine, relatable, just vulnerable, it makes the material so much more easier to receive and implement in your life. And it's because of that, my life has changed in the most beautiful way. And so it's my wish for you, if I could make a wish for you, it is my wish for you that during this interview, you take it slow. You reflect, get the book, take your time with it, and implement the, the tools, the strategies, the lessons in that book in your life to create new realities for yourself. Let's get into it. A beloved inspirational speaker, transformational teacher, and national best-selling author, Clute Blackson offers a fresh, bold look at spiritual awareness for a whole new generation. Born in Ghana, West Africa, Clute's multicultural upbringing as a child of a Japanese mother and a Ghanaian father has spanned four different continents. His unique lineage laid a foundation for his approach to breaking down barriers and unlocking an individual's true gifts and greatness. Clute has been recognized as the mindfulness guru that billionaires go to for advice by Inc. Magazine. He has been featured on the Larry King Now Show. Dr. Drew, and many more. Yeah, so welcome, Clue. As I was saying just before we started recording, I had so many wonderful cry sessions reading your book. Oh, wow. And yeah, it, it just really, whew, it was something I needed and I didn't know at the time that's mm-hmm. what I needed. And I got to a point in your book where I thought I was good. And then you talked about one of my favorite people that not many people know about. Mr. Rogers. So mm. yeah, when I got to that, I was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm so glad. I'm so glad it touched you. Yes. And so I bring that up because I was able to have those emotions because you were so vulnerable and open with your experiences and 
that process for you with the magic of surrender. So my, my first question is, how was that process for you when you wanted to relay that surrendering message? Because I know it's multi-layered, but I know also that that process can be when you look back, you just think, oh man, it was just that simple. You mean the process of writing the book? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I'll be honest on many levels. Um, this was not the book I thought I was going to write. <clears throat> so I didn't have an intention at least consciously, to write a book about surrender. Um, I had all of these other ideas of books I thought would be more sexy to write, books that I thought would be bestsellers, books I thought people would want, uh, books I thought publishers, publishers would want. And so it actually surprised me. Um, I remember I had a, a big whiteboard and I remember bouncing a whole bunch of ideas on this whiteboard in terms of different book titles and concepts and ideas and like different themes of a book. And and, and mm-hmm. after about two months of trying to like force something to be something that it wasn't, <clears throat> I came, I kind of came up with a couple of ideas uh, and thought, well, yeah, these could work. I could make these work, but none mm-hmm. of them felt, felt really, really right. None of them felt from my soul. None of them felt authentic. The only thing that stood out on this board was the word surrender. And mm-hmm. so I had to go through a, a process, honestly, of surrendering myself to the book that was seeking to be written. I mm-hmm. had to surrender myself and realize that this book has a soul of its own. I am in service to the message of this book. And when I really understood that, I, I was able to get myself out of the way. And that's when a whole bunch of you know, ideas and inspiration started to come forward. Um, you know, writing a book is never, at least for me, is not necessarily a fun thing. Uh, <laughs> an easy, I, I much rather just speaking and just communicating free form it, to an audience directly. Writing is a whole different process where you have to really uh, ha- have, have your speaking structured in a particular way. So, I really don't enjoy the process of writing, but once, but what I really felt in alignment with was the message. Mm-hmm. And I think that message is what helped me dig deep in my soul and, and move through my own, you know, honest resistances of sitting down and writing and writing words on a page, which feels so slow uh, because I knew that it, it could, it, it needed to be written I felt like it could inspire people in some way. And so that, that's how it came about. It was a really hard process writing and went through many variations and many edits and many rounds. And, and, but but it, after a certain moment, it felt like there was a flow and a rhythm that started to come together. I mean, I could share more, but that's, that's how the, mm-hmm. book, the book initially came to be. Even, even the title, The Magic of Surrender, you know, even once yeah. I wrote the book, uh, I was like, no, I got to come up with like a killer title. You know, there's all these killer <laughs> yeah. New York Times best-selling titles. It's so right. hard. I'm not giving a, you know, this and that. I, you know, uh, the magical thing of tidying up. I, I'm going to come up with a killer title. Nothing. I'm like, no title. <laughs> and and suddenly it was like the magic of surrender. No, that's too simple. The magic of surrender. Like, this is what it is. And so I think the more we can get ourselves out of the way in life, in anything, the more life mm-hmm. shows us the more life flows and i think surrender is really that willingness to allow life to lead us we could talk more about that if you want 
Yes, yes. And I love how you wrote that down because throughout your book, you're mentioning, you know, you got to release that control. And as you were talking, mm. I was hearing, yeah, releasing that control and then how you just emphasize on alignment. And the reason why I wanted to emphasize, especially on those two points, is because we've been taught for so many years, surrendering is being weak, you know, giving yeah. up, being a quitter. Yeah. I used to come home from school and watch Bonanza, all the Westerners. And it's like, you know, never, I've never waved <laughs> the white flag. No so I, surrender. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So I love how for, for me, and I know so many other readers, you flip that for me. I look yes. at surrendering as freedom. Mm, mm, yeah, there, there, there is a myth that I think surrender is weak, that surrender mm-hmm. is passive, that if you surrender, uh, you're going to get left behind, you're a doormat, you're going to be a victim, you're going to be taken advantage of, if you surrender, you're going to get less than you want, yeah. you're not going to manifest your goals, dreams and desires, and so there is this notion, this negative connotation around surrender. And so I really wanted to, to, to invite people into a new possibility and into a new paradigm of what surrender is. That in fact, surrender is not weak, it's strong. That surrender is mm-hmm. the, most, the most powerful thing that you can do. If you want to manifest, truly manifest, the real secret is surrender. If you want mm-hmm. to truly be great, like the great ones, you know, Jesus, Buddha, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Mandela, uh, Martin Luther King, they weren't weak. They were incredibly mm-hmm. strong. They were incredibly daring. They were incredibly powerful. They all surrendered. The surrender is the password to real freedom. And mm-hmm. so what I'm really saying is if you want, if you really want magic, you have to surrender. The challenge is we often want magic and magic is miracles. Magic is possibilities. Magic is, you know, that, that sort of unlimited, you know, possibility that's beyond what we can even imagine with our own mind. If we want magic, we have to surrender. This is the equation. No surrender, no magic. But we often want magic, but we don't want to surrender. And so what mm-hmm. I'm saying then is, what if you didn't get less through surrendering, but you got more? more than you could even have planned or imagined with your conscious will, with your ego, with your mind, with your intentionality. What if you got more? And so surrender, just to really clarify for those that haven't read the book yet, is it's really about letting go of control, you know, or or I should say the, the, the illusion of control, because if the last couple of years have shown us anything, and by the way, this book was writ- written before COVID, before the <laughs> pandemic, right before the pandemic, then the pandemic hit. And I thought, oh, this book does have an intelligence of its own. It, it, it's like perfect mm-hmm. for these times, you know. And so surrender is to let go of control or the idea or the illusion that we have control, that we're in control. Um, control is the master addiction, by the way. And so surrender is to stop trying to force life to fit mm-hmm. into our idea of how we should be, you know, we're constantly forcing life. We're constantly forcing relationships. We're constantly forcing people. We're constantly forcing situations and manipulating life to fit into our idea of how we think it should be. But mm-hmm. making something into something that it's not doesn't make it so and doesn't bring us peace. All it does is bring us stress and frustration and anxiety. And so surrender is moving into flow you don't force life if something is forced probably it's not right you know if something is mm-hmm. is, is is needing to, if a relationship needs to be forced 
probably is not aligned. And so surrender is letting go of the idea of who we think we should be, that preconceived idea, who we think we should be and how we think our life should look so that we can truly open ourselves to the, to the, to the expression, the way that life is seeking to manifest and express through us and in us and in our lives. And so surrender, surrender, when we surrender, we take the limits off of life and we open ourselves to life. And that's when we're open to, you know, infinite possibilities. And so there's a shift in question and there's a shift in paradigm when it comes to surrender. The old paradigm, which I think as a humanity, the last couple of years, we are being moved beyond this old way of living, and old way of doing a sort of patriarchal, ego-centric based model way of living and manifesting which is all about what do i want the sense of i me i the sense of ego self what do i want Mm -hmm. and this is how we're we're kind of taught even in self-help to set goals you got to know what you want you have to have clarity and 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 go for what you want what what do i want we don't really ask we're not really taught to ask who is the i that is wanting what Mm -hmm. is the nature of this i and so many of us we we get what we thought we wanted but only to realize mm, I'm a little dissatisfied or we get what we thought we wanted only to realize that what we thought we wanted is only what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were. It's not what we, what we really wanted, truly wanted, because many times even our goals that we set for ourselves in our life can sometimes be projections of unmet uh, needs from childhood. We want love, we want we weren't valued, we, you know, we, we weren't nourished, we didn't get certain needs met. So we think if I can just make enough money, be famous, drive that car, get that body, get that fill in the blank, then I'm going to be happy only to realize I'm not happy and I've achieved it. It's not fulfilling. And so the real question in surrender is not what do I want? The real question is really asking oneself, what is it that life seeking to express for me? What is it that life seeking to manifest through me what is it that life the universe the divine god the infinite intelligence life my soul whatever you want to call it is seeking to express through me and to feel the deepest truth of your being to feel the deepest truth of your soul's expression and to be true to that and to align with that to align with that and then align your actions align your thoughts visualizations feelings intentions strategy finances with that and take action. So surrender doesn't mean you sit around and you're passive. You know, if you really surrender, mm-hmm. it might mean you work harder than you've ever worked for a mission and a cause that perhaps you've been resisting. You know, if you surrender, so, so surrender is not an abdication of responsibility. Surrender is the willingness to own fully what is most true and live that as fully as possible. And what I found, what I find is what life can, when we are in alignment, truly, what life could manifest through us is often more than we can even manifest on our own and even imagine. Yes, and it reminds me of uh, the part in your book when you talked about how you wanted to meet a certain person mm. and you just eventually you surrendered and you met him at it was like a cafe or a, like, like a deli it, yeah and, right right mm-hmm. you're just like I would have never met him I would never have thought to go here it was crazy. It, it's so it's so crazy and I have two testimonials for you because um I read I finished reading your book about two weeks ago from the time we're uh, talking now and I implemented it right away what I was learning 
And just before I was thinking, oh, oh man, what are my next steps? What I need to do? What I need to do? Just overthinking, as mm-hmm. you were saying earlier, just you know, what we think it should look like. And then if, when it doesn't turn out how we think it, it looks, we think is a failure as opposed to asking ourselves different questions. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to surrender. And just like that, clue, just like that, <laughs> I got a text message from a friend who uh, just before the pandemic, we met up, you know, pandemic happened, everything slowed down, reached out to me. She wanted me to be part of her project and all go. these beautiful things. And then another thing happened about a week later after that. And I just said, I'm surrendering. Surrendering the way. It was so, the weekend ended up being so much more beautiful See? than what I could have imagined. There you go. See, the, the, the mechanism that we use to set a goal, nothing wrong with setting goals, okay? But what we have to realize is, is, is that we often don't realize is we are constantly limiting ourselves with our mm-hmm. attachment to a specific outcome. We, right. we want what we want, but the mechanism that we often use to choose a goal, which is the mind, which is the mind, which is our ego, which is our personality, which is our persona, is in and of itself limited, is in and of mm-hmm. itself limited by past conditioning, childhood, the level of our consciousness, and the mind is not able to see the full total picture of possibilities. The mind is only able to see a small sliver of the infinite tapestry of our entire Mm -hmm. life's evolution. And so we set a goal going, oh, I want that. It's got to be that. It has to be that. This is what I want. But we're not able to see the many levels at which life is working the many levels of what our soul needs and wants. And so I tell people, don't limit yourself with your goals. And that's why when you truly are in surrender, yes, you feel, yes, you can set a goal. But what I tell people is don't get attached to that goal. Don't Mm -hmm. get attached to the goal that you think is the goal. Go in the direction. Go in the direction of what you most feel is authentic and true to the best of your current capacity, but don't get attached to that goal. Sometimes that goal is the necessary puzzle piece, the evolutionary invitation that causes you, like a dangling of a carrot, causes you to go on the journey so that you can learn the lessons along the way. But when we get so attached to the goal, we try to make that goal the goal. Maybe the goal isn't the goal. Maybe that goal is simply designed to, to, to get you to go on the journey so that you can go in a different direction. And, mm. and, and when we get so attached to that goal, when we get so attached to that outcome being the outcome, because we think that's the outcome based on our limited per- perceptive uh, perception, then that's when we end up limiting life. Like we get into a relationship, we're like, no, this guy, this person, this man, this woman, they have, they're the one. I'm going to make them the one. I can't imagine being with, with anyone else. Maybe you've had that experience, folks listening. You know, if you look back, let's say 10 years ago, maybe you, you were with someone in a relationship and you thought you met the one and you, you, you pushed it, you forced it, you, you tried to like make it happen and, and you couldn't imagine not being with them and you broke up and you were devastated and you were heartbroken, maybe you thought you'd never find love again. Years later, now, 2022, you look back and go, thank God that relationship. <laughs> right. Like, thank the universe. You know, like, wow. You know, hallelujah, because we're not able to see the, 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 the whole picture. It's like looking at a, a painting from the level of our current consciousness. We see the small piece of that corner of that painting, but we don't see the entire artwork that life is unfolding 
through what's in us. And so if you really look at how, how often have things not worked out? Quite often. How often have things not worked out, but they've worked out better than you can imagine? Quite often. Mm-hmm. Quite often. So when things don't work out, just realize that it's sometimes it's grace. It's blessing. It's the love of the universe. But when things don't work out as human beings from the perspective of the ego, we judge we make a meaning of what that means. I'm a failure, it's not working, this, that, what have you. I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm not that. And, and, and we, we, we make a specific meaning about it that, that, that ends up limiting us. And so we either give up or we collapse, we become victim. When things don't work out, here's what I tell people to do. Take a step back, be still, take a step back, observe. Don't be so quick to make a meaning about what's happening or what, what isn't happening. When you step back, you create space, you create space for the universe to work, then you're open and available. One of the keys to surrender is curiosity. The curiosity. Curiosity is like a child. Curiosity. Mm-hmm. There's a quote, I think I'm going to butcher this from the Bible, with something like, you know, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be like a child. The innocence of a child is not constantly projecting like this is what this means and this is what that means and this is what this is and this is what this isn't. A child is like I don't know what it is. A child is a vi- the innocence and the curiosity is an availability. So it's like, so when something doesn't work out, rather than making it mean something, stay open. Like, what could this mean? What more amazing thing could be seeking to happen right now that I'm not able to see and remain open? That openness is surrender. That openness is an availability for life to show up and work magic. Yes. And it's so beautiful. And, I know initially for me, it did feel a little scary to just Mm. surrender. And I like how you said, you know, the stillness. And in in your book, you talk about that stillness and being, but sometimes in society, it looks like we're not being productive. And I think about my mornings where I have it in silence or I'm on a couch listening to music. So what are some of the the pathways or maybe even certain expressions you may use uh, throughout the day or with your clients to help them to calm that inner narrative of you're not being productive because you want to be still and ask myself, you know, different questions. Sure. I mean, you know, first I think it's important to, to, to cultivate a relationship with the mind. And uh, many times we don't have a relationship with the mind. We think that we are the mind. And so we're constantly chasing the mind and chasing thoughts. You see, each day we have 65,000 thoughts, 75,000 thoughts every day. The challenge is most of those thoughts are the same as yesterday and the day before and the day before. And most of those thoughts that are floating through our mind, some of which we're conscious of, some of which we're not even conscious of, have been pre-programmed from our parents, from our childhood, from our parents, but also pre-programmed from our ancestors. And so some of those thoughts and the momentum of the energy of those thoughts, those thought forms that we're thinking today are not even our thoughts. They're thoughts that are an energetic, karmic, evolutionary flow uh, that flows all the way from our ancestral lineage. And some, so we end up thinking thoughts, I'm not this, I'm not that, I don't feel this, I'm not good enough, I'm too this, I'm that. Some of those aren't even our thoughts. And so first we have to then cultivate a relationship with the mind. Number one, realize you are not the mind. Number two, realize you are not your thoughts. 
we as human beings get so identified with the mind, the body, our thoughts, our emotions. We think that's who we are. This, this identification and the degree to which we identify with this as me, this as I, is ego. Ego is not a thing. It's a process of identification. And so the more we can start breaking out of the trance of ourselves to realize, oh, I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my feelings. I'm not my mind. I'm not even the body. Then what am I? And so just because a thought is in your mind doesn't mean it's real. Just because a thought is in your mind doesn't mean it's real. Often because we have a thought, we think it's real. So then we believe the thought. I'm inviting you to shift your relationship with the mind and your thoughts and realize just because a thought is in your mind doesn't mean it's real, doesn't mean it's true. We have to learn then to question those thoughts. Often we don't question those thoughts. They're just, we just let them get free, have free reign. Question those thoughts. Is this thought, so when a thought arises, we can ask, who does this thought belong to? We can ask another question. Is this thought, is this thought mine? We can ask another question. Is this thought real? Realizing, is it fact or is it fiction? Many thoughts like, I'm unlovable, I'm stupid, I'm not beautiful, I'm not blah, blah, blah. And then we believe those are just stories that we made up at some moment based on a certain event that happened from childhood, a certain event that happened in our life. Dad spoke to us a certain way. He wasn't around. Mom wasn't around. So we felt I'm not worthy, not lovable. And then we take that on and that becomes a story. Then that becomes a mantra that becomes our identity. And that becomes the prison with which we live inside of, but we never really question. And so those thoughts we have to ask ourselves, is this, is this fact or is it fiction? Many of us mm-hmm. were living thoughts. We're, we're living thoughts, certain thoughts, like they're, like, like they're fact, but they're fiction. And we don't question. And when we live the fiction like it's fact, it becomes a fact and becomes our reality because that's what we end up living in. And so we have to start questioning, is this true? Now, some, sometimes I've had clients that have said, well, cool, I'm unlovable. I really am unlovable. I said, I remember having a client. I said, really? She said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm unlovable. I said to her, can you show me unlovable? She said, she said, what do you mean? I said, here is a phone. Here is a journal. Here is a laptop. Here is a watch. Put unlovable on the table. Unlovable is a concept. It's a concept mm-hmm. that we buy into, that we reinforce, that we believe. And so we all have these stories. The, 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 the way that this particular client of mine came up with this story of I'm unlovable is her mother left her when she was around eight, 10 years old, kind of in that, in that age range, her mother left her with her father and her sister. She made up in that moment because my mother left, I'm unlovable. If my mother loved me, if my mother truly loved me, she would have stayed, which means now I'm unlovable. That was simply the story that she made up about that experience. There's the experience, and then there's the meaning that we make up, and the story that we make up that becomes our reality. But the experience mm-hmm. is not the story. So we have to question. And so I asked her, here's, here's one thing we can ask based on our stories. Could that event, so if, if, if everyone listening, if you can look at an event in your life that may be the source of the thought 
or the story that is limiting, you can ask yourself, and this is what I asked her, could that event have meant something else? She said, no. No, if I was lovable, she would have said, no. I said, could that event truly have meant something else? The reality is, of course, it could have meant something else. Mm-hmm. What, could it, what else could it have meant? It could have meant that my mother left because she was crazy. My mother left because she was incapable. My mother left because she loved me so much that she knew she wasn't capable of taking care of me. So she left me with my father. I mean, it could have meant we could just keep going down a list of different possible scenarios and interpretations. And so one question that we can ask ourselves is, could this mean something else? Could this, could this event have meant something else? And when we really question the meaning that we give things, that we've given things unconsciously, and the meaning that we've often given a certain situation and then ourselves from a very young age, our capacity at age seven, age five, age 10, age 15, often to make up a meaning about something that's accurate is not that high. And so we have to question. And that's, that's, I think, one of the most important things we can do for ourselves. Question your thoughts. Thoughts by themselves aren't the most important thing. Because we can't control all of the thoughts that we think. It's not possible. But what's important mm-hmm. is the importance you give them. The importance you give them. So when a thought arises, observe it, question it, and, and let it float by. The self-inquiry of questioning those thoughts is what people can begin to do. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is such a excellent way to start because we don't tend to question sometimes certain things. We hear it from generation yep. from gen- to generation mm-hmm. to generation. And just as, as you were saying, prove to me unlovable. It's it's a concept. And it's to break concept. that yes, exactly. And to break that down is just diffuses the whole uh well, maybe not the entire feeling, but eventually it would just calm this person down and other people to think, wait a minute, not only did I redefine this word, I basically just blasted out the water and proven to myself that I am not that. So it, it also sounds like there's a lot of identity awareness and questioning belief systems, maybe every few months, or it's something that should be part of a regular routine, it seems like. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think moment to moment to moment, you know, as the thoughts arise, we should question ourselves. Yes, because even in conversations, for example, I was listening to uh, your podcast earlier today about uh, the art of listening Mm -hmm. and how people are already getting prepared for their rebuttal. And so when people are taking this time to listen to themselves, like their, their true inner selves, asking those questions I feel like with that, their world truly becomes more free, more expansive, more growth. And it also helps to alleviate that, that limitation because they're surrendering and listening and they are able to surrender more because they are actually listening to their true selves. For sure. For sure. And so also in your book, you talked about the people protesting that like their ego that just doesn't want to give up when we are on this journey and you know the doors are closed we're home and these thoughts are coming and it's the ego that's just popping up how does one deal with that that protest they're they're on a good track but then something comes up is it uh like a set ritual that they can do is it something that can just help them just 
get back on the bandwagon. What, what, what do you mean? Can you clarify the question? Mm-hmm. Uh, such as someone's been doing the work and let's say they've been surrendering for three months, things have been going very mm-hmm. well. And now they're just trying to catch themselves. They're taking a break. They're taking time out from social media, from other things in life. And the Eagles comes back circling around just to check and see, hey, are we still doing our personal growth work or you want to revert back? Is there something that's when they're on that, that mark where they're doing well and something pops up? Yeah, I think, I think many times when we, when we do well, we start feeling good, we start expanding, we start feeling energized, we, we start going beyond our current level of uh, normal uh, bandwidth of how we feel, right? We start feeling good, we're expanding, wow, 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 okay. We will, you will often, it's natural to hit let's call it an upper limit. Mm-hmm. It's like the thermostat because our identity, who we think we are, is a certain boundary of possibility. When we start expanding and growing beyond that, it, it puts pressure on our current identity and our capacity to handle a certain amount of joy, you know, a certain amount of feeling goodness. And so, uh, the the upper limit kicks in and that's when because we're not used to feeling this way we're not used to feeling this this flow we're not used to feeling this good and so that's when the ego tends to uh or to to sort of kick in to to bring and if we're not conscious of it unconsciously you might find that you start doing things to sabotage or bring yourself back down to a more uh familiar level of feeling a more familiar level of, uh, shall we say, of, of, of emotion, a more familiar level of, oh, I'm, I'm used to this. This is what I'm used to. I'm used to this, but I'm not used to feeling this good. And so we have to be aware that as we grow, what's important is we grow. And as we grow, we start feeling better. We take a moment to just integrate that, to breathe, to digest, to be consciously aware. And then we keep growing and then we breathe, we integrate, we're consciously aware. We, so that we grow we integrate, we embody, then we grow, we expand, we integrate, we take a moment to rest. Sometimes we don't rest and we grow, 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 and then boom, we grow too fast. And so uh, the conscious awareness of how we're feeling and being in relationship with our bodies, being in relationship with ourselves as we are in the process of expanding so that we can be checking in with ourselves as we're like expanding our capacity to feel, feel better, is really helpful so that we're in tune with ourselves along the way. Otherwise, that uh, unconscious uh, uh, a sort of protective mechanism inside of us can bring us back down to a level that we're more used to. And you have to understand that the ego's job is to uh, reinforce its existence. The ego's job is to reinforce its existence. The ego in and of itself isn't real. It is the, the, the collection of thoughts, feelings, emotions, conditioning that we then hold on to and identify as me. And so the ego is constantly seeking to reinforce its existence through control and through a sense of identity. And so when we start going beyond that identity of, 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 of what we've been conditioned to be, the ego also gets a little 
uh, shall we say, freaked out. It's like, oh, shit, this is who I am. But whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> now, now who am I, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa now right. who am I? And, and so that's where we unconsciously will face a certain resistance. And so I think what's important is that we're in tune with that because many times we're not conscious of that. It just happens. But when we can be in tune with ourselves along the way, moment to moment, connecting to your body, connecting to your breath, being present with yourself, then you can start feeling when you feel that contraction, then you can be aware when you feel that, <gasps> that, that, that deep breath of fear of nervousness. And then you can just reassure yourself along the way, like, Hey, it's okay. We're safe. Mm-hmm. I'm okay here. Uh, you know, we're good here. And then you can just keep expanding along the way. And so I think when we understand that, then we can start cultivating uh, a relationship with ourselves that can be more gentle, a relationship with ourselves that can be more healthy, uh, a relationship with ourselves that can be more kind so that we can love ourselves uh, along the path and along the journey. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. And that is truly the goal is to have that relationship with self so much so that we can be receiving of all that blessings from surrendering and so much more. So I know we covered so much. Can you let us know where people can uh, purchase your book, get connected with you, all that jazz? Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yes. uh, Obviously people can get the book on Amazon, go to Amazon, get the magic of surrender. The good news is that the magic of surrender is coming out on paperback, depending on when you listen to this on May the 3rd, it's coming out the paperback version, get the paperback version. I'm doing something special on May the 7th. I'm doing a very special virtual one-time only live seminar, two to three hours, deep dive transformation. It's called reinvent, reinvent live, how to reinvent yourself in the seven stages of reinvention. And so for when you purchase the paperback book before May the 3rd, go to the website, which is www.kootblackson.com, K-U-T-E, Blackson, B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N.com forward slash reinvent seminar kublaxon.com forward slash reinvent seminar uh once you purchase the, the the paperback on amazon enter your receipt info on that website you get access to a whole bunch of free gifts as well as access to the reinvent seminar on may the 7th 9 a.m may the 7th hope to see you all there if you want to know more about my work my main website kublaxon kublaxon on instagram kublaxon on facebook um find me there awesome and we'll put all the links in the description of this episode so everyone can have easy access any Mm. final words Mm. i mean we could cover so much but uh, i would just maybe leave people with a thought of hey you are going to die I want people to just meditate on that for a moment. Mm. You're going to die. Let me say it again. You are going to die. Feel that. As human beings, we're constantly running away from the notion of death, trying to keep ourselves younger, keep ourselves busy. We want to live forever. But the fact is, Jesus died, Buddha died, Mother Teresa died, Gandhi died, Lawatsu died, Muhammad Ali died, uh, uh, you know, all the great ones, David Bowie, Bob Marley, I mean, they all died. If they died, we're going to die, at least this physical incarnation. 
-hmm. There's no escape. There's no escape. We born and we die. This is the only guarantee. If death came right now, would you be ready? Mm. Or would there be regret? What's unsaid? What's ungiven? What's unexpressed? What's uncommunicated? What's unforgiven? Many times we hold grudges to our parents, to those we love, because now they did me wrong. They need to apologize. And we let our pride and our ego get in the way. People we love, in order to be right, then they die, then we die, then we're filled with regret because we of what we should have said and could have said, et cetera, et cetera. The people in 9-11, the people in natural disasters had no idea that they weren't going to come home that night, look their loved ones in the eyes and say, hey, I'm sorry. Look their loved ones in the eyes and say, please forgive me. Look their loved ones in the eyes and say, I really, really, really love you. And so I just want everyone to know, like, look, if there's something you need to say, say it. If there's something you need to do, do it. If there's something you need to create, create it. If there's something you need to give the world, a business, a gift, an idea, do it because you don't know how long you have. And if mm-hmm. death came right now, would you be ready or would there be regret? Because when you die, you cannot go. You cannot go to your maker and say, God, can I get a refund? Can I get a refund on those years that I spent in that relationship that I, I knew wasn't right? Can I get a mm-hmm. refund on those years that I worked that job that I hated? I hated that job, spent 20 years of my life in that job I hated. Can I get a refund? God will say, no, it's gone. Because once time is done, it's done for all of us. So hold death close. Simple questions you can ask yourself. Number one, what lies am I telling myself? What lies am I telling myself? Human beings, this is one of the things that keeps us stuck is we lie to ourselves about how, how we feel, about who we are, about what's true, about, what's we, about what we want, because we're afraid of the consequences. Mm-hmm. Then we betray ourselves and we die while we're alive. So what lies am I telling myself? <clears throat> Number two, what am I pretending to not know? As human beings, we constantly play this game of confusion. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know. We, we do know what our purpose is. Mm-hmm. We know, but often there's a part of us that, that plays this game of confusion. It's like, well, I don't know, because this way, if I'm confused, I don't have to take action. If I'm confused, I don't have to risk. If I'm confused, I don't have to dare. If I'm confused, I can always live in the safety and the comfort zone of the, and have the hope of the future fantasy of that possibility. And we miss out. So what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? And third question is, what is it costing me? What are the lies I'm telling myself costing me? When we lie to ourselves, it's painful. It's meant to be painful. It's meant to be painful when we lie to ourselves. But what we tend to do is when we feel the pain as human beings, we distract ourselves. We sex it away, drink it away, eat it away, shop it away, social media away, just so that we don't have to feel the pain of the lies that we tell ourselves. But the pain is a gift. The pain is a blessing. The pain is your friend. The pain is feedback showing you where you're not living aligned, where you're not living truth. Use the pain to acknowledge where you're betraying yourself and course correct. Because folks, life is short. 
we will die. And I hope that we all live a long life. But the quality of life is not how long we live, it's how we live the life that we have. Martin Luther King didn't live till he was 80, 90 years old. But the life he lived moved the world in such a way that even when he was dead and gone, his legacy, his impact still inspires people. That is it. That is what it is to be truly alive. Living in alignment with your truth, living in alignment with your soul. So today, ask yourself, is today a good day to die? Am I ready to die? If death came today, could I throw my arms open and say yes, or would there be regret? This is the only moment we have right here, right now, this moment, today. In the book, I talked about my mother who was diagnosed with stomach cancer. She died way before I ever thought she would die. I got to spend an entire year with her during her chemo treatments, flying back and forth from LA to London. The best year of my life. I got to hold her hand in chemo. I got to take walks with her in the park. I got to sit with her as she washed the dishes. The only regret I have in my life today is I wish I had spent more time with my mother. It's the only regret. And so, folks, how would you need to live in such a way that you have no regrets? That's what I would leave people with to think about. I wish I can put that in a, an ebook and give it to people because that was a beautiful sermon right there. <laughs> we needed that, really, because uh, reading about your family and the mm. beginning of your book <clears throat> is what uh, caused the, the first beautiful cry session I had. I just related so mm. much to that. And your mom's essence is just warrior, yes. you know, just, just beautiful. And I just thought, man, what a woman. Yes. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, this is just a reminder, people, please live your life. The, the magic of surrendering is so beautiful and it's going to feel a little scary because for me, it felt like I was winging it, but I really wasn't. I was releasing control. So question yourself, just as Coot was saying, just, you know, question, 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 you know, look at your identity, get aligned, have that relationship with yourself. It's so important. And you're going to spend a lot of time looking at the words that you associate with yourself and others, and, and it's time to start reevaluating those definitions. So, you know, again, uh, Koot, thank you for coming on the show. And I, I just want to read this one passage uh, from your book, because I feel like this sums it up completely, uh, th this episode and people listening to this is, one day as we watched the sun set over the mountains, he looked at me and said, everything unfolds exactly as it should, as it is meant to happen, even if you cannot see it at the time. So, Coot, thank you so much. Thank you. And everyone, you know, oh, my gosh, it's so funny. The time is 444 right now <laughs> on, my, on my phone. So everyone listening, you know, you, you know, I'm sending you so many blessings, lots of love. You know, I'm rooting for you. Be kind to yourself. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in, Magical One. Let's keep in touch. Join the VIP email list by going to tmariejohnson.com. And as always, I'm sending you lots of love, many blessings. I'm rooting for you. And remember to be kind to yourself. Until next time.